This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Thursday afternoon, October 20th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rob Hart. Taco Bell will be installing electric vehicle charging stations at more than 100 locations in California over the next year. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, sales of existing homes are falling as mortgage rates soar. Meantime, speculation continues on the next move by the Fed as the central bank tries to stem the tide of inflation. We're joined by Carl Ricadana, chief U.S. economist with BNP Paribas, based in New York. Carl, thanks for joining us today. In our 1020 discussion, we talked about how the uh, high mortgage rates now in the sevens uh, definitely uh, slowed down activity in the housing market, both uh, with new homes and with existing homes. But what, where do things stand for uh, current homeowners? Maybe we refied uh, during the pandemic when rates were in the twos. Um, what, what, what do they have to think about or worry about possibly as far as uh, their home equity is concerned or the value in their home? Well, I think that uh, wherever the housing sector is heading, uh, the rest of the economy will be following behind. So the, the, the cool down that we're seeing in housing uh, tells us kind of the direction of travel uh, for the broader economy. Housing is obviously the most interest sensitive sector in the economy. So the Fed's tightening campaign uh, has very quickly cooled activity there. Uh, but we will start to see knock-on effects elsewhere. Uh, as we think about current homeowners, uh, those who locked in low rates are very fortunate, but certainly not everyone has done that. Uh, so you will see certainly a dwindling opportunity to refinance. Uh, that, uh, that well has run dry, uh, and we can see that in plummeting applications to refinance uh, and even purchase applications obviously coming down as well. Uh, but the refi market, that has, that has really run its course. So uh, those who locked in at uh, 2.5% or 3% rates uh, last year will, uh, will be able to bear uh, some of the, the, the burden of the rising uh, rates environment a little bit uh, easier uh, than uh, other households who didn't take advantage of that. We know the cost of shelter has been one component driving inflation. If the housing market slows to a crawl or to a stop, uh, would that be deflationary? Uh, that won't be deflationary because if uh, sentiment toward housing deteriorates, uh, that tends to push people into the rental market. So if I think home prices are going to fall and I'm a, a first-time home buyer, I might decide to just sit on the sidelines for a while. Uh, similarly, even if I want to buy, uh, but maybe I'm priced out by the squeeze on financing conditions as uh, both high prices throughout the pandemic and now rising financing costs or rising mortgage rates 
uh, squeeze housing affordability, which is now back to uh, the the lows of uh, where they were during the housing crisis uh, during 2008 and 2009, uh, that also pushes people into the rental market. But surging rents are just one part of the story. Uh, We see broad-based inflation pressures across the economy from energy prices. We see that at the gasoline pumps and and now this winter in natural gas and other heating uh, bills. Uh, We see it in food prices. We see it in goods prices. We see it uh, in rents, and we see it in other service categories as well. So the the rental fever uh, really is uh, surging on on broad-based strength, and that means the Fed is going to have to act forcefully uh, to end that trend. Yeah, very quickly, Carl, it sounds like uh, when you when you put it that way, the Fed doesn't really have uh, any reason or motivation to slow down the uh, pace of interest rate hikes. They would love to slow down interest rate hikes and possibly execute a soft landing if they could, uh, but that window seems to be rapidly closing. Inflation is proving to be uh, more persistent and more sticky, uh, and that likely means the Fed has to push us into recession sometime in the start of next year. Carl Ricadana, Chief U.S. Economist with BNP Paribas, based in New York. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up, Taco Bell prepares to go electric. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Taco Bell launching an initiative in California to add electric vehicle charging stations at its restaurants. Let's discuss the strategy with Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the restaurant coach based in Chicago. Izzy, thanks for joining us today. What are the details of this Taco Bell plan in California? Are these complimentary charging stations or is this going to be a source of revenue? Well, I'm not sure how much of a source of revenue it will be. It will certainly not be free. Uh, the customer will pay for, uh, you know, typically, I guess, in 20 minutes, you can charge your car uh, to get 100 miles on it, and that will cost uh, the customer about $20, yeah, $20 for 100 miles. And uh, it's, it's an incredible and very smart strategy. Now, this is not entirely uncommon. There are shopping centers in the Chicago area that do have uh, parking spaces close to the entrance with EV charging stations. Uh, there are some preferred parking spots. I mean, we're in uh, two Prudential Plaza and the uh, parking garage underneath the building. Uh, their primo spots have EV charging stations, which uh, I look, w- look at with a great deal of envy uh, when I do drive and have to go down to the bowels of the building to park the car. Um, so this is certainly that... A, a strategy that businesses and real estate developments use to uh, attract customers. Is this something, if it's successful at Taco Bell, that could expand across the entire restaurant industry? Well, I, I guarantee that this is going to be successful at Taco Bell. They're doing a very smart thing. As you say, you know, there's a lot of buildings and places, malls that, that have this. But what makes this different is that Taco Bell is now going to be able to market Come have lunch, charge your car, all at the same time. They're way ahead of the curve. I, I think uh, in another year, there will be some other major chains, uh, but it's a smart thing to do. You, you got 20 minutes to eat. Why not take your car, go to Taco Bell, plug it in, grab something to eat, relax, hop in your car, and you're good to go for another 100 miles. So great strategy, and uh, it, there's no guesswork. You now know which fast food restaurant 
you can go charge your car at. Starbucks uh, kicking the tires on uh, installing some uh, EV charging stations at its locations. IKEA doing the same. And it also addresses a, a level, an, an anxiety point, if you want to call it that, for some EV owners where they get the car, they know they can plug it in in the garage, but trying to find a charging station out on the road is not a sure thing. Right. And for now, for the next year, Taco Bell in California is going to have, I think, 100 of these. And uh, it will certainly boost the confidence of everybody who has a, an electric vehicle. So, uh, in other words, uh, you can go get a Burrito Supreme and uh, 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 charge your car at the same time. Great idea. What a world we live in. Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the restaurant coach based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, a gas and convenience chain in Florida is going to pot. Cash, credit, debit, and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A pilot program being launched in Florida next year will allow marijuana sales at Circle K gas and convenience stores. Let's learn more from Michael Palumbo founder of MJP Capital and author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Michael, thanks for joining us today. In the words of the great motion picture, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, some strange things are afoot at the Circle K. <laughs> well, good afternoon, Rob, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, they're going to start with 10 locations in Florida. Now, Florida is a medicinal um, uh, license only, so you only have medical patients, but it still is the third largest cannabis market by sales. So this is a significant development because up until now, um, cannabis companies have only been able to have retail locations based on the number of licenses they have. It appears that Green Thumb uh, down in Florida will have fairly unlimited amount of ability to put these stores up depending on their agreement with Circle K. So it is a, a, a very uh, um, interesting deal and, and might transform the industry depending on how this goes. But uh, it definitely uh, appears to allow um, cannabis to, to go more mainstream than it already is, and, and that's what the public wants. Now, in Florida, since this is a medical marijuana state, you have to have a prescription or a card, one would assume. And uh, if uh, Circle K feels they could actually make money selling uh, marijuana in gas stations, there must be a lot of people with a lot of problems, or at the very least, uh, doctors willing to write them a script. Right. I mean, as I said, Florida is the third largest uh, cannabis sales uh, in the country, even though they're only medicinal. We have a, a dozen plus uh, states that are full recreational, and only two are larger than Florida. So as you said, there's a lot of people carrying medical cards that allow them to, to purchase cannabis. So it is a significant event. And we'll see if it if it uh, becomes bigger in Florida and then also across the nation. I mean, we have uh, it's obvious the public wants more uh, accessibility to cannabis. The question is, is is the federal government going to follow through and give the public what they want? And we'll have to see. But this is definitely a, a new development in the industry because it does allow these cannabis companies to locate um 
uh, spots where they don't have licenses. So it's going to be interesting. It will definitely allow the public more access to cannabis, and that's what they want. And it's certainly there's a certain logic to this that makes a great deal of sense. Already you can go to a gas station convenience store and pick up a six-pack of beer, or if you still do that, you can get some cigarettes and chewing tobacco. So it just goes to follow that uh, if marijuana is now on the same level as a can of beer, why not sell it? Right, and, and, and in the public perception, it is. The problem is the federal government's perception is not. So we'll have to see if the, if the feds do get in line with public, and now we even see corporate uh, um, opinions on, on cannabis. And if they do, then you'll see cannabis go more mainstream, and this will continue. So we'll see what the, fed, the feds do. But it's a great development in cannabis, and it's a great development for cannabis consumers because it just becomes more accessible to, to folks who, who want to purchase it. Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Still ahead in Technology Thursday, the metaverse is conquering a new frontier, real estate. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The United Kingdom is in the market for a new leader. President Biden campaigns in a key midterm race for the U.S. Senate. Technology Thursday, a digital collectible at an actual home, sells for $175,000 in auction. And many people continue to work from home, but it's not as flexible as it might seem. WBBM Business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 26. The NASDAQ is down 21. The S&P 500 is down 16. AccuWeather says milder with clouds and sun, but then fully sunny this afternoon. A high today of 58, 47 degrees right now under partly sunny skies at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, Britain's prime minister has resigned after a very short run in office. The story from CBS News correspondent Vicki Barker in London. Liz Truss's departure comes only six weeks after taking office, one day after this. I honestly don't know what the Honourable Gentleman is talking about because... Chaotic scenes in Britain's parliament. Truss repeatedly shouted down by jeering opposition politicians as her own party lawmakers sat silent, embittered by the six weeks of U-turns and market turmoil that characterized Truss's time in office. The writing was on the wall. Vicki Barker, CBS News, London. The midterm elections less than three weeks away. President Biden on the road in Pennsylvania campaigning for fellow Democrats. CBS News correspondent Naomi Ruckham tracking the latest polling. Off to Pittsburgh, the president is hoping to help Democrats in a tight Senate race. He'll promote his infrastructure plan while visiting the site of a bridge collapse from earlier this year. We're going to build a better America together. The latest CBS News polling shows control of the Senate as a toss-up, 
With the president's approval rating at 40 percent, many Republicans are tying their opponents to the Biden administration. The latest CBS News poll shows 65 percent of registered voters believe the economy is getting worse. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are lower today. We're joined by Matt Shapiro, president, MWS Capital, based in Chicago. Matt, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, the markets started the day on a rather on rather strong footing. They gave back all of the gains. Uh, any specific reasons as to why the uh, rally ran out of gas? Well, Rob, it's just rising interest rates, 10-year yield uh, hitting 420, um, more hawkish comments from Federal Reserve officials. And even though earnings have been actually excellent, AT&T up substantially, showing actually that the consumer is very strong and not necessarily being squeezed with respect to their phone plants. They raised their forecast. But until interest rates cool down, they've been up nearly every day for the past couple of weeks. The market is going to have a lot of trouble, even though, of course, these good earnings are providing some support. Any any potential that the uh, political instability in the U.K. could have uh, an impact on the global economy? A couple of weeks ago, it did, Rob, and that definitely concerned the markets. Uh, the, the stock market did bottom and then came right back around. And so we'll see if that holds. But they did have a successful bailout plan in in England, and it seemed to be self-contained. Uh, there was a report actually in the New York Times a couple of days ago that the Biden administration and Federal Reserve officials carefully uh, contacted market participants in the United States, and they assessed that uh, UK-style meltdown is unlikely here. But, you know, always in the United States, they're safeguarding uh, the financial, you know, plumbing, uh, especially when the Federal Reserve is raising rates as aggressively as they are. The uh, earnings season continues, and they uh, point they they paint a picture of an economy that, I guess, for lack of a better word or words, is cautiously optimistic. Uh, consumers continue to spend, but uh, corporate America is definitely uh, saving its nuts for winter. Exactly. So realize when interest rates are uh, some uh, much higher than they were uh, last year. And, you know, they should be higher as the economy has now reached nearly full employment and we've uh, regained all the lost jobs from the pandemic. So companies are incorporating these higher rates of return into their financial models. So that should make earnings uh, meet those higher levels. And we've seen actually really excellent earnings reports, and the consumer seems to be very strong. But, it, of course, the disease and the unease about the level of interest rates and everybody hanging on the latest price report is why the market is not doing well this year. And until we get more clarity on the Fed's interest rate uh, long-term picture and we get some better inflation numbers, the market's going to have trouble uh, you know, retracing these losses, um, even though earnings are supporting the market right now. You mentioned uh, AT&T beat the street. Uh, American Airlines, despite all of the tumult in the in airports and canceled flights and angry travelers, uh, it doesn't seem like there is any sign that uh, demand to fly somewhere is uh, leveling off or going down anytime soon. Correct. And, you know, one interesting tidbit, Rob, about airline fare prices is absolute sticker shock, but they were, of course, so low during the pandemic. So actually, airline fares have only returned 
basically to pre-pandemic levels, and they're actually lower than they were in the period between 2012 and 2015. But of course, if you're trying to get a, a ticket for Thanksgiving, they're very expensive, and they're just having a lot of trouble hiring and getting those planes loaded. And so that's creating, of course, uh, you know, so much problems with travels. Anyone's been to O'Hare and trying to get on a plane, it's been canceled and, and all the difficulties of air travel recently. No, it's, it's funny you mentioned that uh, Josh List, the sports anchor, and I were trying to price out a, a flight to London over the holidays. And uh, bottom line is, uh, I think neither of us are going to London for the holidays. It's uh, pretty expensive to uh, fry, fly across the Atlantic and have have a uh, Love Actually-style uh, Christmas in London. Uh, one last note, uh, Tesla, Elon Musk says, uh, pedal to the metal, recession or no recession? Yeah, you know, we carefully looked at the Tesla report. I thought it was excellent. Um, they made $3.3 billion. It's a lot of money. Their margins are incredible. They're basically the most successful car company. Their, um, you know, percentage of the U.S. car market is growing. Um, they The stock is down today because... They said we're going to maybe moderate our end-of-quarter production and delivery goals because we don't want to pay as much to rush cars out in the last couple of weeks of the quarter, which makes some sense. So I think there's a lot of potential. Um, Elon Musk said that he believes Tesla could be worth more than Apple. We'll see if that happens. But, you know, it is, of course, the, one of the most popular cars in the United States right now. And it is actually pretty incredible when you look through the report what they have accomplished. Matt Shapiro, president MWS Capital based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Up next in Technology Thursday, the world of digital collectibles expanding to real estate. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Technology Thursday and this afternoon we're delving into a new area for non-fungible tokens. Let's talk about the NFT house with Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group, founder of the Met Academy. Follow him on Twitter at Shelley Palmer, based in New York. Shelley, uh, do I have to work on a new needlepoint project that says Home Sweet NFT? Wow. You know, that's a great idea. I didn't think about Columbia, South Carolina as the epicenter of cool things to do with NFTs, but apparently it is. Uh, for the first time, an NFT uh, has been sold that represents, uh, I should say a house has been sold that is represented by an NFT. And, and I think it's important for everybody to understand that the house is not the NFT. The house is the house. It was sold and the, the sale was recorded and memorialized on a blockchain using a smart contract. And in this case, a smart contract is an NFT, a non-fungible token. So if that's a little confusing, you have to think of NFTs as receipts because they are not pictures. They're not the asset. They are a receipt for the asset. And so this house was sold. And instead of going through all the normal crazy legal stuff, you know, title insurance and, and uh, you know, the contracts and on and on and on and on. No, you just made a transaction happen on the blockchain. And just the way you buy an NFT, someone bought a house. It's really cool. Now, what difference is there between having uh, your transaction recorded on the blockchain as an NFT versus the traditional real estate close, the closing where you do have to sign a lot of paper contracts and you have an attorney present and your real estate agent? Um, what is the difference between the two processes and how does one streamline the other? So I think it's a really important question. Most of those documents uh, will still need to be signed in some manner, shape, or form. However, 
you buy title insurance because you someone has to go search and make sure that the person who's selling the house actually has clean title to make that sale. And you're so suspect of it that you actually purchase insurance to ensure that that researcher has done their job and that you actually are buying a, the title to the home. But if the home were on a blockchain, uh, if the title were on a blockchain, that is an immutable record that will literally, what I mean immutable, as in will last forever. And so if the title changes on a blockchain from your ownership to mine, it's very clear for everyone to view. You don't need title insurance. That's the title. And so you can streamline all of the costs. and All of those paper contracts can become smart contracts. Important for everyone to know, an NFT is just a smart contract. And a smart contract is the same as a regular contract, except when the terms and conditions are met, the contract executes automatically. So in this case, you make the purchase. When the money changes hands, the NFT changes um, its ownership. You now own title to the house. It streamlines the whole entire process and cuts a lot of cost out. So there's probably an awful lot of bureaucracy and red tape that needs to be cut through and a lot of business rules. And there'd be a lot of people who want to do it the old way. But this is exciting because home sweet NFT is real, at least in South Carolina. And then potentially, you know, what could this do for real estate at large uh, when it comes to the process of selecting a house and then buying it and then going through the entire uh, process of making that uh, purchase official? Uh, will it make it less cumbersome over time? I think it has the potential to make the process of closing much, much more efficient. That's really where the big cost savings are to the uh, potential homeowners and home sellers, to the real estate agents. Uh, it, again, it won't be so great for title insurance companies, but it's going to be fantastic for organizations who, who want to make it simpler, easier, and less costly. Uh, closing, as you know, can be a very expensive, uh, very tedious process, and getting all the papers together can be very tedious. Here, all the paperwork is in one really neat, smart contract. I think it's, it has the potential to really, really change that business. It's been talked about, to be fair, for years. This is the first time that I'm aware of that the transaction has been done on a blockchain, and there's an NFT representing the transaction. It's very exciting. Shelley Palmer, the CEO of the Palmer Group and founder of the Met Academy. Find a, f follow him and find him on Twitter at Shelley Palmer, based in New York. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday and still to come, looking at the actual flexibility of working from home. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Working from home may not contain the flexibility people want or expect. Let's talk about it with Tessa White, CEO of The Job Doctor, based in Salt Lake City, Utah, the website thejobdoctor.com. Tessa, thanks for joining us today. How has uh, work from home changed over the past two years? I mean, I, I seem to recall in, in March of 2020, it was kind of, uh, you know, we're all in this together. We're trying to make this uh, strange thing work. But now it's become uh, more streamlined, more formalized. And how has uh, work from home changed, both in just the process and the expectations? Well, I think we're seeing a real push and pull now between employers and people and us versus them. Uh, you know, a lot of companies are wanting people to come back full time into the office when people are just saying, no, this doesn't work. It, it used to be that if you were in the office and we could see you, you were productive, which was false. And now if you're accessible to me, we assume you're productive, which still may be false. 
But um, it's just hard to know whether people from home are being truly productive or whether they're even overworking. Yeah, a lot of the selling point for uh, working from home for a lot of people was uh, the belief that you had flexibility. If you didn't have uh, two hours a day devoted to a commute to and from your office, uh, you could devote that to other things, take care of other things around the house. But there's also the perception that uh, you're now available to your employer 24-7. I think that that is starting to change. What I'm seeing is employers are really, really aware of not wanting to tap on tap their employees for 24 hours a day and not create a burnout. But that also creates more uh, structure around the workday that employees are not necessarily liking either. They don't necessarily want to work from nine to five, and some do better when they get to work, regardless of what hours it is, get their work done when they want. And then uh, there's always that discussion also about the second or third space. You may uh, want to work from home, but you just may find that you're more productive or you just need to get out of the house. Yeah, I think what we're going to see is this idea of the hybrid workplace. I think that's what's going to settle in. Employers asking people to be in the office so many days a week and people being able to be home and flexible so many days a week. I think that's probably what we can all tolerate for now and what's where it's going to settle for a little while. And then uh, just as quickly as people fell in love with remote working, let's say in 2020 or 2021, are we seeing a slow falling out of love with remote working? Boy, I'm not seeing it. Almost all the people I talk to want to continue it. It's the senior people in companies that are wanting their people to come back. And it goes right back to how do I know you're being productive and this kind of distrust and this us versus them between the employee and the employer. Tessa White, CEO of The Job Doctor, based in Salt Lake City, Utah. The website, thejobdoctor.com. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at wbbmnewsradio.com and the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.